1: Your next game is going to be fucking tragic, and here's why. Coming in hot with that kind of language. Well, yeah, a couple of drinks will do that. In this episode, we find some answers to what is the point of having a tragic backstory?
0: And how do you roleplay the after effects of being terrified?
1: And what roleplay tips can we steal from on-screen characters? Welcome to the Hook
0: and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother Jordan. So, I want to start off by asking, have you ever been here? You're sitting at the table on a goldmine of the richest, most drama-filled trauma you've ever dreamt up. Betrayal, murder, disaster is all bubbling inside of you. If only the other players knew, they'd be in awe at your creative genius. And the fighter asks, what's your deal? So this is your chance, your moment to channel it all through your character. The possibilities before you were endless, and what do you say? Uh I've seen some stuff is bad. All right. Guess that's that. That's that conversation. <laughs> and Moving I on. Fucked it up again. <laughs> Damn it. That was my shot. That was your one shot at making your backstory relevant, and you blew it.
1: Yeah. Uh I've been here. Too many times (laughs) as a young role player, as a
0: young role playist. Yes, I've certainly done some zingers myself. Uh, My finest, I think, was a double tragedy 360 kickflip where I had a character (laughs) abandoned by his community. All of his friends died in front of him (laughs) and he landed right onto a bed of who the hell cares because I just (laughs) acted like a cold motherfucker the whole time.
1: and you didn't participate in any of the role play you just scowled at stuff i have seen some shit Uh uh-huh yeah i know i've done it too like how many characters have tragic backstories yeah but
0: pretty much all of them
1: all of them all of the best heroes have tragic backstories
0: yeah i mean all my favorite superheroes we got batman spider-man wolverine we got fantasy characters in there too, though, because, I mean, Game of Thrones was essentially established on tragedy for everyone all the time. <laughs> every
1: every single character, the baseline was tragedy, Yeah, and then they carried on from there. There is this definite camp within the tabletop role-playing community that is like, oh, yeah, tragic backstory, it's tropey, it's done, it's this, it's that. And I guess what we're trying to say is... That's nonsense. Tragic backstories are awesome. They could be so good if we could just avoid some of the pitfalls that are involved with tragic backstories.
0: And actually play characters that are informed by said backstories.
1: Well, that's the other side is that you make this, you know, this whole backstory that never makes an appearance in the game, not for five seconds or more. It is, it is literally that little interplay right there of, yeah, I've, I'm from a bad part
0: of town.
1: <laughs> and then that's it. That's all that ever happens.
0: Yeah. This isn't to say that all tragic backstories are good because it's also in the crafting of the backstory. Like a couple of things that you can do wrong are to make it campaign consuming. Oh,
1: Yeah, that's danger zone for DMs is like when you have a player submit their character backstory and you're like, yeah, three of these pages, I'm not even going to touch. I might be able to work in a little bit, but you know what? I have a campaign planned. I'm not going to. Sorry, man. Like, unfortunately, your whole backstory, it's not going to make an appearance in this campaign because what you're telling me derails my whole thing.
0: Right. Like they've included some world building, like they've got a The great blood wars uh, between the (laughs) kingdom of... It's like, you're not introducing kingdoms to the world. Slow your roll. (laughs) You can't can't just make up a whole island. (laughs) Or, of course, what we just conveyed, which is you assume that the only result of a tragic backstory is the brooding silent type.
1: Well, that's just a one-note character that never really dips out of their sads. I've got a case of the sads and I'm never going to get over it.
0: That's the triangle player in the band that can only make the one sound. It <laughs> just beats that triangle to death. Exactly. But like we've said,
1: there is hope for the tragic backstory. Tragic backstories are in every good character's backstory. So what do we need to know to leverage some of those lessons and how do we apply them to our characters And how do we make use of them in role-playing? Because it's one thing to just do it in the fiction. It's a whole other thing to involve five other people at your table
0: in your tragic backstory. So that's why in this episode, we're going to talk to you about how to refine and focus on your tragic backstory, decide how your character is going to deal with it to create ongoing drama, and then resolve it in the end. And this is going to allow you to play small character
1: arcs and big character arcs and resolve all of that backstory stuff on whatever scale you need as a player without necessarily having to derail your DM. And we're going to learn how to do all of that in the Strategy Stateroom.
0: This is the Strategy Stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So throughout this segment, just get a character in your mind, the one that you want to percolate on as we think about this stuff, and you're basically just going to answer the questions that we're asking throughout this episode. And the main points we're going to cover are what is the source of your trauma, what's your character's path, how does it manifest, and how does it get resolved?
1: So let's start at what is the source of your trauma, Jordan? What's your trauma? Eating snow filled with dirt. That is a you did that a lot. And that is definitely a trauma. Yeah. That's your tragic backstory. I guess so. What we need to do with the source of your trauma, consider this for your character. Where did it come from? And what we're trying to do is we're trying to define a specific traumatic moment. Something that really kind of claws it all back. When we have this idea of our character. And we go like, oh, yeah, they came from a rough childhood. They grew up on the streets. They did this. They did that. It's it's so
0: ambiguous and... Right. It's all bad. Yeah. It's just yeah. a smattering of bad.
1: But in order to refine how we're going to roleplay this character going forward, we need to really kind of pinpoint that one piece. So there's two different approaches to doing this.
0: You got the tragic backstory, which we've been talking about which means coming up with it before the game even starts. The benefit here is that full creative control over that darkness that haunts you goes to you. The drawback is that nobody else at the table was there. Therefore, they're not going to care as much. Sorry. You run the risk of writing a backstory
1: that is so big and convoluted and crazy and like, oh man, all the epic shit happened in the back history time long ago that kind of stuff yeah and it's never gonna equal it's never gonna live up to the expectations of the kind of stuff that you're currently role-playing so that is definitely one of the dangers but you know like you said you at least get full creative control i i don't have to rely on five other people to help me tell this story i can just tell it it happened it's a it's a thing
0: yeah And then you got the other side, which is waiting for it to happen in game, which we talked all about in the last episode. It's looking for those moments where something terrible happens, which it's D&D. And if you're playing it anywhere close (laughs) to its intended style, you got a book full of terrible, terrible monsters that will traumatize any normal person. Skeletons,
1: dragons, uh, gibbering mouthers, obeluxes. They're all traumatic
0: creatures if you've fought a single thing you've got plenty of fodder for your trauma and we we really take it out of context and like turn it into this fantasy game because take the goblin the most simple of the monsters if you turn out the lights in my bedroom at night and put a goblin in my closet (laughs) that is absolutely the most terrifying moment of my life that's pants shitting right there yeah 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 you're gonna be telling a therapist about that one speaking of which I had that exact dream of Ernest Scared Stupid, the movie from the night. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Goblin in my closet. So we've that p- was a recurring nightmare. We've pinpointed
1: <laughs> Jordan's trauma. Yeah. So the drawback to taking this approach and trying to use in game elements to make some kind of character trauma is that you have to make those moments stick. You really have to kind of role play them. So this is kind of leaning in. And thinking ahead of going, damn, this is juicy. I want to try and milk this for all it's got. So I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to be like, guys, that was too much. I got too much stimulation from that encounter. Uh, This is going to stick with me. And having that kind of forethought
0: is not always my strongest suit. Right. We're trying to play the badass heroes. And yeah. that doesn't always come to mind.
1: You're like, yeah, I'm going to harvest or I'm going to oh. loot. Like that takes precedent over
0: how does my character feel about having just fallen this dragon? Right. Or, you know, watching that oblex pop the head off of <sighs> Town's person. Like, no, that's, that's not fun. That's no. not good for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're thinking strategy, not role play. Yeah. Next, we've got what is your character's path? And I think the first thing to pull from your character's traumatic moment is the motivations that's going to basically set up the rest of their little arc. A want and a need. If you've listened to this podcast
1: before, you've probably heard us talk about wants and needs before because they're so essential to good roleplay. And they're so essential to characters that have some stuff to work through. Right. Wanting something and needing something, two totally different things. I want three extra large pizzas, I need to eat something healthy, (laughs) damn it. Yes, fair point. So what does your character want and what does your character need? And in this context, we're talking about what your character thinks will fix their tragedy or their, their trauma. And what is their internal change that will help them
0: overcome
1: that trauma?
0: And actually move towards some healing. Yeah. Again, going back to some of those favorite superheroes, Batman, you know, He's got some trauma. His want is to beat the crap out of criminals, but his need is to have a personal life. The challenge that I have with that, though, is that if he did, that would be the end of Batman. Well, right. he just healed. (laughs) That's why it's at the end of arcs. And that's not to say that you can't start another arc. It's a Ah. very important point, actually. Okay. But then a very different example, Spider-Man, his want is to have a normal life, have the normal teenage experience. Yeah. But his need is to live up to the responsibility of his
1: powers. What I find really interesting about that is essentially the source of trauma was the same. Yeah. Which really kind of highlights the many different
0: ways that you can take this as a role player. Totally. And defining that moment. Like they both have very defined moments. Oh, yeah. They've been in movies like 70 times yeah they just can't (laughs) stop rehashing the responsibility powers
1: but it really does reinforce how important this kind of impetus for why your character does what they do like where does all of this come from and typically in really dramatic and captivating characters
0: it is this moment of trauma all right for the rest of the episode travis whether you want me to or not i'm going to create a quick character here and i'm going to talk about Through his traumatic journey. Oh boy. Bracing for impact. Buck Russell ran away from home (laughs) because his dad turned out to be a vampire. Okay. Buck Russell's dad is a vampire. Dad sucked the blood of the rest of his family uh, and he narrowly got away. Wow. Yeah. That's like blade
1: origin stories like you become a vampire hunter after that oh yeah that's the only path for buck russell (laughs) (laughs) okay buck russell's gonna become a vampire (laughs) hunter
0: yeah and his want is to violently remove vampires from the land one by one as it's the only thing that quells the rage inside him even if for a moment sure and his need is to accept the support of his found family you know, the party of adventurers that he's probably with if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe find a new hobby or two. Fair. Okay. (laughs) Good stuff.
1: Now that we have these sources of trauma, we need to figure out a trigger. What is going to kick off this traumatic episode?
0: Well, I mean, Buck's gonna be triggered by vampires for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all <laughs> yeah. triggered by vampires? But I mean, to make it a little more dramatic, it could be just anybody that reminds him of his dad. For one, ooh, it could be situations where people are, you know, being cruel to those closest to them. Uh, a fatherly figure,
1: that congenial innkeeper yeah. that wants to serve you and says, "Hey, son."
0: You, anybody that says son honestly oh yeah that's for definitely sure. be a trigger <laughs> yeah and a dm can play with that right yeah they can put me in situations that create a little drama i sucker punch the inkeep and say never say that word again well that's actually a really good point because
1: you know most of this episode we've kind of been focusing on the player and exactly what a player can do to lean into their character. But if you're a DM, the real only takeaway here is that you can help your players by creating similar scenarios. So look at their backstory, if they've submitted a backstory to you, and really just say, okay, what are some of the similar scenarios? Or you know what, even talk to them. Talk to individual players and say, what triggers are you looking for so that I can make sure that I fold them into my campaign planning it's it's really that simple it doesn't have to be all secretive and in the background they'll know when they see it or they won't and
0: you can just kind of continue on your merry way and it can still be unexpected for them and it can still be something that you get to add your creative flourishes to this certainly is not railroading yeah it's just adding fun details
1: So you can just create similar scenarios, say, okay, what's the traumatic backstory? Let's try and recreate some of the similar conditions that allow my players to play with this. Set them off.
0: Anyways, moving on. Next question, how does it manifest? So what are the reactions your character is going to have to their triggers? And I want to say before we get into this, that we're talking about the symptoms your character is going to be feeling from the trauma or going through from the trauma. And this is totally separate from creating a personality for your character. Because again, going back to Batman and Spider-Man, both traumatized, but the trauma is not their entire character. They've got lots going on besides their symptoms. Oh, 100%. Like you've
1: made a one-dimensional character if they're all about their trauma. Yeah. This has to be the interrupt pattern. The, oh shit, this is taking me out of my normal. Like you need to have another wholly fleshed out character.
0: And this sidelines that character whenever these triggers are thrown in to play. And if you role play it like that really well, that also signals to the rest of the party that you're playing with, like this is out of character. And this is something I can respond to. So this is one of those concepts where you got to say, okay, I've
1: been playing a character one way and now I'm triggered. This trauma is taking place. I'm being brought back to this place that I don't like being. Oh, my God. Now I have to go hard the other direction. Otherwise, the rest of the players at the table, like they're thinking about their next move. They're thinking about what their characters should do. There's so (laughs) many other things. You're going to have to like really kind of play it up and take a moment, take a beat and say, all right, this is what's happening to my character in this moment. Their, Their knees are weak. They're... Arms are heavy. There's vomit on. There's like that's that's what I'm saying. Is like it, it really does have to be a bit of a set piece.
0: Yeah, good point. And that road goes both ways. So you know, pay attention when your party is role playing. You don't say. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So some symptoms. And just so we're
1: not like talking out of our asses, these are all concepts, and we've we've kind of summarized and encapsulated some real-world psychology, now, you've consumed a whole nother book just for this episode. Yeah. The book is Trauma and Recovery by Judith Lewis Herman, MD. So just know that this is all kind of rooted in real-world stuff. So be careful at your table. Try to be respectful. Try to be good to one another. There are plenty of obelxes in the world to deal with, we don't have to talk about real deep triggering stuff. Right. And if you do,
0: clear it with your party.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is that session zero stuff. Yeah. Anyways,
0: let's talk about some of the symptoms. What can your character elicit? Well, some more general stuff right off the top is they might feel as if they lost a part of themselves in their tragedy. Ooh. Like Buck ain't the same man he once was after he found <laughs> out about his vampire dad. He was a happy-go-lucky child. <laughs> yeah. And that his dad tried to drain him. Yeah. Or as if they somehow are weaker because they couldn't overcome their horror, their terror. (laughs) Sure. As they should not have to be expected to do. Jesus. And I think this works really well in D&D, actually, because in our last episode, we talked all about the mechanical effects of the frightened condition, which stop your character in game. And so for your character to then feel really bad that they couldn't push through that, That's like really closely linked to how we treat it in real life. For sure. The first one is poor sleep. You could work this into your physical descriptions of having bags under your eyes, being disheveled. You could even, you know, flavor your poor skill checks, like making a perception check with the fact that they're just tired. They're drifting in and out all the time. I mean, you could
1: absolutely put this into practice with your role play in simply... That your character is always the one to take the first watch. They're a bit of a night owl.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, Buck's an absolute asshole in the morning. He slaps shit out of people's hands. <laughs> he shuts them down when they're trying to be all cheery. Just, a, okay, so we're
1: going to Edgelord Dick. Like that's essentially this guy's character. No. Until he confronts his dad, he's just going to be slapping people's coffees out of their hand in the
0: morning. That's just the morning. By the afternoon, he's oh, coming around. Okay. He's apologizing to everybody. He's, you get some breakfast into him. Yeah, he's yeah. not hangry anymore. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Eventually, everyone will just learn to leave him alone <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> you could have angry outbursts in response to any of the triggers that you've thought up or any that come along the way. I mean, that's as simple as going too far on a a simple combat encounter. Like, I think this is what Batman does in the new trailer where he's up against some thugs. He takes it too far. Yeah. And even the thugs are like, whoa, dude, we were fighting, but that's that's a lot.
1: (laughs) We were ready for a rumble, (laughs) but you just murdered that guy.
0: Yeah. I think angry outbursts could be
1: really, really good. You know, it's one of those things where it's totally understandable, like it's It's understandable to go a little bit too far, especially when you're fighting for your life or you, you know, somebody's pissing you off of just kind of flying off the handle. It means that you're bottling something up and it's got to come out. It's got to come out in some way. And that doesn't mean that you can't just immediately apologize for it. Oh, sorry. I went, I went too far. Yeah. I recognize this. I'm sorry about that. Uh, You know, I'm just working through some
0: stuff that instant shame yeah even if even if you don't explain it right away you can come circle back to it but even if the only response you have is going too far and then like walking away
1: yeah yeah see that's that's great because then everyone else at the table goes god damn what the hell was that about yeah we're gonna have to ask them about <laughs> after the
0: whatever we're currently doing yeah and then keep that in the back of your mind for those downtime moments when the DM says, like, anyone have anything to to bring up? <laughs> yeah,
1: let's, let's have a chat about whatever the <laughs> hell
0: happened to Buck. What else you got? Well, I mean, yeah, on that point, you know, the guy selling weapons maybe reminded Buck a little too much of his dad, King Vampo. So he broke his lamp and threatened him with a crossbow. Then maybe he just, you know, tipped him off, gave him some money and was like, very sorry, very sorry. Uh, let's move past that. And he goes to the party and he says, I'm buying my stuff somewhere else. Let's go. <laughs> and then everybody goes, what's up, Buck? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Things got out of hand. But making a habit of apologizing afterwards, that comes back to showing that your character is going through some internal turmoil and that you're not just a dick all the time. Like, It's an important note for role-playing.
1: Very, because if you don't do it, You're just the asshole. Yeah, you're just the edgelord. Yeah, you're the edgelord asshole that nobody wants to play
0: with. So, going along with that uh, hyper arousal, you could become easily startled. And this relates in real life to basically having an elevated baseline of alertness. Like when you went through something rough, you're always ready, you're always on edge. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop
1: pretty much all the time. And you're kind of expecting it. Like, even with the overall consensus of like hey this person this character we've established is kind of like a dad figure i don't trust him like all of that kind of stuff i think it falls under that easily startled always ready for the bad to kick off
0: yeah and i think you can play this up because again D is full of terrors and you're often gearing up for bad situations so figure out how you're going to role play that do you talk too much do you like ask everyone like tons of questions are you guys freaking out about this yeah and when you want to have a bit of a bigger moment at the table you can let your character have a panic attack and we talked about this pretty much exclusively in the last episode it was mostly about this but again just a couple of those quick and easy things you can do your character is getting tunnel vision dry mouth their hearts racing they're nauseous like all of those Raised sensations. You can express your guilt and shame as a character. That's a fun one. You're carrying around the burden of feeling like you could have avoided the bad thing. And there's a lot more symptoms to these things in real life, but not all of them can be conveyed or useful at the table.
1: Now, in order to make a full circle kind of character arc, we need to figure out how this gets resolved because, like we mentioned in the beginning, You can either carry this with you forever because the character, if it's like core to who they are and it happened in their backstory, likely resolving this trauma means that your character ceases to be that character and has to figure something else out. Like we said, if Batman just like learned to be a chill dude and be a millionaire, (laughs) he would cease to be Batman. So some trauma has to
0: stay with your character in order for them to persist. That being said... If we weren't so attached to the concept of Batman, we could tell another story. Easy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we could have a dramatic tale of Bruce Wayne, the millionaire and all the challenges he faces. Well, and having to go back to being Batman. <laughs> oh, I
1: see. It's oh, yeah. Driving back to Batman. Absolutely. Gotcha. The two are inseparable.
0: <laughs> but we do need to figure out how this all gets resolved. So how do we do this? Well, I think the collaborative storytelling aspect of the game comes in here because you want to be watching what's happening in the game and letting it help direct you toward your want or your need to help you figure out what path your character is going to go down. Like, is Buck going to lean into killing vampires and lose his soul, becoming what he always hated most? Mm. Or is he going to find a new path with his found family? Is he reaching out more? Are they reaching out to him? Like, I mean, if I'm playing Buck, and my whole party's being a dick to him the entire campaign, then he's probably going to become a hardcore vamp hunter. (laughs) (laughs) And the adventures of Buck live on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And DMs, if you recognize this or know that this is your player's goal, these are the temptations that you can throw in front of your characters. These are the choices that you can help force them to make. You can be using your major NPCs for, or even your big bad, you know, that moment When they're all facing the villain and they they make an offer right before the big fight. Oh, there's so many different ways you could work
1: this in. If you know that Buck has dad issues and that he wants to murder his dad and all of this other stuff, regardless of whether or not the big bad is in fact Buck's dad, you have the big bad. You have Lich, King Lich, turn And before he engages in the fight with the rest of the party, he turns to embrace his son and says, if dad doesn't come back, know that dad loves you. (laughs) What is that going to do to Buck? Yeah, That's going to mess him up. We're going to (laughs) figure
0: some shit out. Buck's going to work through his issues and off we go. (laughs) And this is kind of an aside, but there's a point to be made about building your characters for the campaigns Because, I mean, I would build Buck if I was going into a Curse of Strahd game with vampires galore. I might not build Buck if we were about to go slay some giants. (laughs) Yeah, we we keep Buck out of Storm King's Thunder because Buck's never going to get over (laughs) his shit. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right, so we need to put all of this into practice. We've talked about the multiple steps at length, finding the source of your trauma, What's your character's path?
0: How does it manifest? And then how is it going to get resolved? All right. So let's run through all of these steps with a character in mind. That's a little more nuanced than Buck. (laughs) Not to say that Buck isn't amazing. Can we guarantee that any of our characters are more nuanced than this? (laughs) Not really, but let's use a character that we're all familiar with.
1: Well, I can't say we're all familiar with it, but you've probably heard us talk about my character, Zerus, before. I feel like he's fairly straightforward and that we could probably put him through these paces. Sure. So what are the basics of the character? Well, the broad strokes are that he's a big, tough, barbarian fighter hybrid Goliath, and he was raised and trained from a young'un, and he was trained to fight and kick ass, and he's employed by drow as a bit of a retrieval expert think like the rock from the rundown all right and yeah he, he just he's pretty straightforward like i actually wanted to play somebody that wasn't super nuanced or super subtle he just doesn't like all the double talk he's pretty you know he's on the level he, he says i'm gonna hit you now before <laughs> he goes into combat that kind of stuff something refreshing about that level of <laughs> honesty direct means, straightforward. yes <laughs> So what's the source of his trauma? I think for the first good chunk of his life, he was really kind of pitted towards fighting fair fights. And, you know, this person's a bad person. And especially when you're hired by Drow, uh, you know, anybody that's kind of getting into debt with them or something like that probably has it coming. It's like kind of working for the mob. It's, you know. I got to go beat up that gangster. So I'm not going to feel too bad because I'm a gangster and that's a gangster. We're just going <laughs> to beat the shit out of each other. Everything's going to be cool. The source of his trauma came from he was forced to, you know, beat the living shit out and torture somebody. You know, I, I wanted to try and take the typical route, you know, when the party grabs somebody and tortures them for information. You're like, holy shit, torture's not the way. Yeah. Uh, Things you guys can't bad. just do this off the cuff. This is not how heroes get the job done. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of took that and I said, yeah, well, he was kind of put through that. And that's the source of his trauma is that he had to do
0: that. And he feels really, really bad about it. Nice. All right. So let's figure out his path then. What is Zarus's want and need? I think his want
1: is to never have to pick up his weapons again. He, I've role played him in the past. He likes plants. He likes raising plants. He likes living a simple life. Uh, you know, we ended up at Trollskull Manor and he just wants to open a bar and live a simple life. And every single time an adventure concludes, he takes his giant warhammer and he boards it up in the wall. (laughs) You know, very John Wick, where he's like, I never want to have to use that or see that thing again. Nice. And I'm thinking his need is that he has to start to recognize that sometimes violence is necessary, especially in this world with dragons and all kinds of monsters, and especially even sentient creatures. There are some bad sentient creatures out there, and that maybe he can minimize the pain that others have to go through by just leaning into what he was trained to do. Like he kind of just compartmentalized all of it and said all of the stuff that he did in the past is bad. But if it's being done for the right reasons, maybe it's good. Yeah. Maybe if it's in the service of others and protecting others like a hero would do, that that's a good thing.
0: I could even see as a kind of a symbol of his healing, at the end, he could start to share his knowledge in a let's learn to defend what we have kind of a way
1: yeah yeah this all of this good things those adorable snot-nosed ragamuffins on the street corner like those kids are worth defending yeah
0: we can't do that unless we have the skills to uh, whip a big hammer around at people exactly some somebody's got to get bashed (laughs) if they're gonna threaten
1: those kids yeah so what are his triggers Honestly, hunting sentient creatures, anything that can talk to him. Like he's okay smashing a spider. He's going to smash it. Yeah. it's No matter how big it is. But when he has to smash something that can talk and think and feel and rationalize, well, he is going to use violence as the ultimate last resort. Like when somebody, when he says, please, I don't want to fight. We can talk this out we can we can figure this out. You just need to lay down your weapons and you're still coming at me. Stop threatening those ragamuffin kids. I really want you to put away your weapons. God damn it. Stop coming at me. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to smash you. <laughs> and he's got to defend himself. He's got to defend his friends, which is the rest of the party. So, when he is it's gonna, it's like you forced me to hit you. That yeah. kind of that kind of vibe. And when that happens, he, well, this works with the mechanics, but he enters his rage because oh, he's nice. yeah. partially barbarian. Yeah. So having that multi-class gives me a really great trigger to fly into rage. And then he does what Batman do and really <laughs> smash the bad guy. And he often, uh you know, curses this person. Why did you make me hit you so many times? Yeah. Ooh. That's rough. That's dark. Yeah. And then, of course, it, it just piles and piles of guilt afterwards. Yeah. Maybe some panic attacks. I think that's definitely somewhere where I can start to lean in a little bit more of, you know, post doing that of just like, oh, I did not want to come back here. I didn't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I hate this. So, like, maybe a mix of guilt and panic attacks I could start to role play up, yeah. you know, other members of the party and say listen i i'm not could take this away from me yeah like hand him a bloody uh war hammer or i could see
0: him just like dropping his hammer like after as soon as the fight's over just like he wants to get his hands off
1: immediate shame immediate guilt uh maybe even yeah just wanting to retreat from the
0: fight in fact i could see like a little bit of role play opportunity there for another character to actually carry his hammer just because it's like, I don't want to do, use it. And they're like, you, I'm going to bring it just in case. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. We're going to yeah. probably need it. So, yeah, we already kind of talked about the next step. How does it manifest? You were saying, playing out some of those rage and panic and, yeah. and guilt. So how does it resolve? What are the opportunities and options here? Well, like we talked about, this is backstory stuff. So I probably don't
1: want this to go away. Every single time, you know, it's like watching John Wick get the the sledgehammer and bust his guns out yet again. Every single time that it happens in a movie, I'm going to lose my shit. It would be like, oh, it's going to pop off again. And so I'm not, I don't want to lose that. So I'm probably going to hang on to this. And when the character actually does get retired, like when we hit... A certain level, or or likely. when the campaign
0: is actually wrapping up, like there are those moments where you want totally. to feel some closure for your character. Yeah, and he's gonna put it away, and that's the nice thing is that he
1: gets to board it up in the wall again, all nicely. And now that character has come full circle until the next time we kick up a campaign <laughs> that needs Zaris. Yeah. As far as short term things go, though, you know, I think that there's more to do with the Beholder that he recently fought. You know, I've got the long-term trauma. The short-term is he saw some shit when we fought a Beholder recently, which means that now I think he's going to have some stuff with some otherworldly monstrosities, like anything that doesn't have two legs, two arms, and a head. He's going to get kind of (laughs) wigged out about because who knows what that
0: thing can do? Right. The Beholder was the boss of a criminal empire. Yeah. So <laughs> what's this thing capable of?
1: Well, exactly. And so I think, yeah, throwing some of uh, some fear of abominations in there yeah. could be a nice short-term one that I could try to resolve. Well, when I DM that game, I know what to throw at you then. Well, I'm going to start all over from scratch and start to figure out what are my triggers with abominations and yeah. and otherworldly entities. So here
0: we go again anytime an eye stalk pops out of a person's head that's bad for Zerus because we need more characters
1: to really talk about and less of my characters that you, dear listener probably aren't as familiar with let's talk about some familiar characters their trauma and how it manifested and went through all of the same steps in the extra-dimensional gateway
0: this is the extra-dimensional, is the extra-dimensional gateway for <laughs> unique heroes are and if you couldn't tell, sometimes it's just fun to talk about pop culture characters. And there's plenty to draw from, but here's a couple that show how character arcs can be pulled off really well and how they can start off really good but leave you kind of unsatisfied. Mmm.
1: Yeah, like the. The triumphs and the pitfalls of character arcs
0: and character trauma. Exactly. So let's start off with the big metal boy, Iron Man. Oh, Tony Stark. Yeah. Yes. He goes through he a- He l- trauma? Oh, yeah. In the Avengers, he flies up into a big old magic space hole and prepares <laughs> himself for death because he's holding a bomb or something. I I shouldn't laugh at that. He flew <laughs> directly into a space sphincter. Exactly. And it's pretty cool because it played out during the game. If we're talking D&D, we got to witness his tragic backstory. Yeah, he hucked himself into space hole and plummeted back.
1: Thought he was going to die. Knew he was going to miss pepper pots and everyone in his
0: life. Yeah. And this left him pretty terrified of more aliens coming to Earth. Makes sense. True. Yes. And so we skip ahead to Iron Man 3, where his want was to advance his technology enough to protect the world from absolutely anything space might throw at it. And his need was to have a personal life and a family as represented by his relationship with Pepper Potts.
1: Yeah, totally. Because he went from like, hey, I'm going to do Mark 1 and then Mark 2 and then Mark 3 like six months apart. And then for Iron Man 2, he was like, doing another suit every day yeah every half day he would break for lunch and then he would crank out another suit
0: and by iron man three he's yeah he's just working on more suits that's all he's doing he's got like autonomous armies
1: of suits
0: yeah and one of his big triggers is people talking about his trauma which happens a lot because he's a global hero (laughs) and this was his moment of triumph
1: yeah, fair enough. He totally does go through a really interesting arc like that in that, yeah, he's constantly having nightmares and flashbacks. And when people talk about alien threats, he's just like, yeah, we need to kick its ass. And he he like he, he's all about trying to prepare for the next impending doom. He kind of got a bit of a flashback in the space hole.
0: Yeah, and he even has a couple of panic attacks through the film too. So to resolve it, Tony beats up the bad guy, who had his own deal going on, but who really cares? He wasn't a great villain for Iron Man 3. But Pepper Potts helps him. Then he has his army of trauma-induced Iron Man suits self-detonate, which shows his commitment to a personal life and a family and healing from his alien invasion. He takes the happy route. Yeah. He's going to be the hero for decades to come. (laughs) Spoiler alert. No, I didn't say nothing. (laughs) <laughs> and i think it's kind of neat because in the aftermath of that there's a scene at the end that shows that tony stark was sharing his experiences with bruce banner the hulk which represents him you know reaching out to party members creating some relationships god that's all of those are totally actionable
1: within the context of D. yeah of just like sitting down and having that
0: conversation with the hulk <laughs> Whoever the Hulk is in your game, talk to him about your trauma. Every single party has a Hulk. What are you (laughs) talking about? Absolutely. And then if you keep watching the movies, we see more of his choice play out in the following films as he works to establish a legacy, passes lessons on to his real child and his superhero child, the Spiderman. Got it. Yeah, totally. It works. Family. All right. Now moving on to a character arc that didn't play out as beautifully on screen. We're going into the world of Game of Thrones and we're focusing on the fan-favorite Arya Stark. If you couldn't guess, her traumatic moment is seeing her entire family dismantled and seeing her father die. Dismantled. He was disheaded. Yes. Dismembered. (laughs) The most important of his members, his head, was (laughs) removed from his body. Phrasing... Her want was pure cold revenge. Yeah. And it was fun to watch. She manifested it by starting to
1: repeat it every night before bed. Yeah. All of the names of the people that she wanted to kill.
0: Yeah. And her need was honestly kind of unknown. I mean, I think establishing her own family could have been a choice based on her traumatic backstory. But that's where it starts to fall apart already. She doesn't have a need. She yeah, needs to let go of her revenge quest. But there's nothing that like she could be moving toward that we're hoping that she gets, you know? Like there's no... There's like, n-
1: well, we wanted her to get
0: revenge. Yeah.
1: But only because we wanted to see that whole arc kind of resolved. But again, that's just the want. That's, that's just her right. going down the dark path. Yeah. Her need is to reunite her family. At least what's left of them. Like that was the, the most frustrating bit was that every single time she came so close to one of her siblings, we just wanted her to reunite. And she kind of reunites, but like a lot of lives could have been spared if she'd (laughs) just been like, hey, I'm going to go check out my family instead of running away and learning to be an assassin.
0: That's a very good point. That was the need established at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Then it manifests by, like you said, Travis, she's got her revenge list. She doesn't really have much interest in anything other than what's going to get her better revenge. She got some angry outbursts. She stabbed a lot of people. Yeah, she stabbed a lot of people. She found some faces. Uh, one one of the most troubling and telling, I think, was when her sister found her collection of faces. And like you said, Travis, her need was to reunite with her family. But in this moment, she freaks the shit out of her sister. <laughs> She wields her new kill skills over Sansa, threatens her with a knife, saying that she could even take her face. Okay, Arya, chill the fuck out. You're freaking everyone out. Yeah, and to me, this scene would say she's going to end up down the dark path. Or this would be the, the catalyst to going towards the light path.
1: One of the two. Sure. But instead, she doesn't do either. She stabs a frost demon. And-
0: yeah, that's her resolution. She uh, ends all the bad things in the world by stabbing the Night King, and it doesn't really do much for her as a character. It doesn't fix her want or her need. No, doesn't resolve anything. Just huh. a cool moment. She also, you know, kills some people from her revenge list. But again, like you said, that's just indulging in the want. She gets a whole bunch and like we see Batman indulging in the want
1: yeah. all the time. But in order to see that actually resolved and that character come full circle, we either need to lead hard into seeing her sail off into the sunset as a badass established assassin and be like, I'm gonna kill everybody or like something like that. like we need her to to commit to this life as an assassin. Or we need her to reunite with her family. And she kind of does neither. She just gets on a boat
0: and we don't know what happens. Right. Like if they'd made the boat getting on seem more like her running away with her problems still to be resolved, I could have bought into it. But it was almost like a happy ending. It was happy, but it was sad. But, but it wasn't what the show was leading towards at all with her character. It was so left field. Yeah. Got it. Apparently, all you need to do for your trauma his murder, an all-powerful zombie monarch. That's the lesson I learned from Arya Stark's <laughs> Can <character laughs> Then you arc. learned the right lesson. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you have some new ideas to apply to your character and their traumatic backstories and their most terrible moments.
1: And chances are, most of us will never become zombie monarchs, but there are a few that are more likely to become zombie monarchs than anyone else. You, Travis? No, Gar the Pirate time warp nico y zach g no ma'am michelle t hentenius alan e matthew t felix r chris f the senate lucas d lila g the gm tim thomas w tyler g Ty N. heavy arms eric r aldras leprechaun and will hp please don't become frost princes and kill us yeah go down the go down the happy path please we appreciate all of your support as patrons and if you want to join them As a patron, you'll get stuff. We do stuff for (laughs) patrons sometimes. What a
0: pitch! Best pitch (laughs) ever. (laughs) Also, thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. You can join those most of those patrons. You can join those patrons and an awesome community of players and DMs on our Discord. Thanks Thanks for listening and find and kill your.